This episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are, well, off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Austin Wong is here to talk about two comedies about animals in the wild with Madagascar and Mean Girls. Welcome! Hello! Thank you for coming back, and I know you were going to fight people if you didn't get to talk about Mean Girls, so I let you have this one. I let you have it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I didn't want to have a scratch anyone's eyes out. Exactly. You can't be one of the girls gone wild like, like the Mean Girls, okay? Like, come on. Come on. I, I seem to have noticed that you have a thing for um, bitchy girl movies, so I, I find this very entertaining. It's actually, didn't we also talk about Heathers? Because I, yes, I we did. insisted that I have to do Heathers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is. I've just always had a soft spot for bitchy girl movies. I love them. I love, I, I mean, I kind of love the bitchy girls because they're so funny. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why I love these movies. I don't know. Maybe it's a sense of social order. Maybe it's just. Well, I, mean, I actually it's... think a lot of them uh, shine like a really good light on our society. In, yeah. you know in this way because like even watching Mean Girls some of the stuff they say and some of the stuff they do and I'm just like I never picked up on that before and that is horrible like you know yeah. stuff like that like like there's the part where they meet um the teacher Tina Fey's character in the mall and she's like oh yeah I gotta you know for money I gotta bartend a couple of weeks over here and you're just like you're a teacher who doesn't get paid enough and you gotta work outside of work oh my god that's so sad <laughs> like that's the most tragic thing I yes. know and you're like why doesn't our society properly honor teachers and pay them the money they deserve and stuff but that is very true it's it's actually you're right like there are things in there there are subtle little comments about society that Mm -hmm. aren't given a lot of attention but they're in there for sure yeah well because there's um yeah i'm already going into this i'm sorry but yeah there's also like the part where you go to like regina's house and the mom's just like you guys can do whatever you want but the thing i find most telling about the household is the two scenes with the sister in the background and she's watching like the milkshake video and emulating it. And at first she's like, that's not too bad. But then the next time it's the girl gone wild video and she's like pulling up her shirt in front of it. Cause she's like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm just like, no. And no one is paying attention. I know that whole, that everything at the house and the fact that Regina says, yeah, it used to be my parents and I made them switch. And it's just like, she's ruling everything because even the mom is like looking up to Regina George. Yeah. Well, because doesn't she say she's like, I'm not a parent. I mean, like your best friend. I'm the greatest parent ever because that's what she wants instead of like, you know, raising a proper person. So, well, that's why she's yeah, it's it's sort of like her, her famous, you know, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Yeah. Yeah. If you really want to drink, I'd really rather you do it in the house. Like yeah. the whole over permissive because like what's the hot goss what's the 411 and like mm-hmm. all of the insults that she gets she just love you guys so much she doesn't care like she's just wants to be part of it yeah um but it's funny because like when i watched the movie you know i wasn't a parent and i just thought it was a funny movie and i really liked it and i would quote it all the time mm-hmm. and then you know as you know like i got married and i had a kid and now my kid is six a six-year-old daughter and now when i watch it 
I, I, it hits me a bit different because um, I'm now raising a daughter and it's not just a funny sort of movie now. Now it's like, you know, I'm not going to get into any detail, but, you know, I noticed that even when Maddie was in grade one or even kindergarten, um, there was mean girl activity. You know, I mean, I hesitate to actually call it actual mean girl activity. I mean, because they are very young and they're just learning to socialize in general. And we've just had a huge interruption with the pandemic. But like in kindergarten, like, you know, just the natural order of kids playing and then fighting and then this and that. But I did notice a difference between the boys and the girls, right? The boys, like from our parents' friends, but also from Maddie, like my daughter, um, the boys would kind of just punch each other or do things physically with each other. And then the girls would be like, let's exclude this person or we're not talking to this person or they would, you know, it was very much more mind games. And that's sort of in kindergarten, it sort of continues in grade one. And so we're always sort of dealing with, you know, different little things. Like it's not all like that. It's not like she's definitely enjoying school, but I see it, I hear it, I, I hear about it. And it's very real. <laughs> I mean, if it's in grade one, I know it's going to continue. And a lot of my female friends tell me it only gets worse in high school. So now yes. when I watch it, it kind of makes me feel like, oh, my God, you know, where's my daughter going to fit into all of this? And so it's interesting, right? Like it's it's quite truthful in a lot of ways. I know it's based in reality. It's based on that book about uh, that nonfiction book about queen bees and wannabes. Yes. Um, and mm -hmm. Tina turned it into a, a scripted movie. But uh, I now actually, uh, my husband actually ordered a copy of that book. <laughs> Just because we want to know how to deal with it. And we want to make okay. sure our daughter doesn't do it to others. And we mm -hmm. want to know that if anyone were to do it to her, how we would handle it. And uh, I did say to him, you know, I feel a little prepared because I'm so well versed in the movie Mean Girls. <laughs> and Heathers, Orchid Heathers. And yeah. Heathers, yeah. But, you know, Heathers are so evil. They're killing each other. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's so exaggerated. But I mean, yeah, there's still lessons to be learned in Heathers. The godmother of all the bitchy high school click movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, on the DVD that I have for it, there's actually like a featurette and they talk to the author of the book and like she's got like a foundation and she like has like seminars that she gives to parents and kids like separately, like parents, how to handle your kid or how to handle your kid if they complain about being excluded and cliques and all that kind of stuff. And then the kids, you're just like, don't be assholes, little people, yeah. be nice <laughs> to each other, you know, like that kind yeah. of thing, which I thought was really interesting because I actually did not know this. Like I knew Tina Fey wrote the screenplay for it. I did not know it was based off of like, a book that was written and she's just like, I'm pulling stuff out of this to create yeah. this screenplay. I did not know that part. So I found it very interesting. It's very interesting. And I, I love that Tina Fey was able to see, you know, a nonfiction book that's to help parents and craft like what I think is a really good narrative out of it and using a lot of the, the tropes in it to fill out her, her, her film. Yeah, I, I, one, I think one of the things that makes it work is that, you know, the main character just got back and she's, looking at the space like like she's David Attenborough or something and she's just like you know like analyzing the animal kingdom and like figuring out you know how to interact in certain ways you know to to do things right and I was just like yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah and it's funny the way you say that too because like you know I like 
I love that with the premise of your podcast, it's just two random movies that happen to be next to each other on your shelf. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there's all these connections. And there really are a lot of connections between Madagascar and Mean Girls, just because like, they are about animals in the wild a lot of the time. And like Mean Girls makes that explicit. But even the fact that he, she comes, you know, she comes from Africa and then the animals of Madagascar, I think in the sequel, they actually go to Africa. Uh, yes, they do. I mean, well, te- isn't technically Madagascar part of Africa? It's off like the East Coast. You know what? I'm so bad at geography. I'm not going to commit onto tape anything <laughs> about geography whatsoever. I am also very bad at geography. I probably should not have said that out loud, but I'm going to leave it. And I'm going to let people know that I suck at geography. That is my worst category on Jeopardy every time. <laughs> I know. So, and, and people are always saying Africa's not even a country, it's a continent. And I'm like, I know. And then, but then when you talk about places like Madagascar, I, I just, I don't know. What, what is it? Where is it? I don't, <laughs> let's go back to Mean Girls. Anyway. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that it's a small island somewhere in water off yes. of a continent. There you go. That's the, the, those are the, and there's lemurs there. There's actual lemurs there. So I know three things. I know three things. Yeah. Which my daughter actually loves. She loves lemurs. Yeah. I met Um, a lemur once called, his name was Larry and he crawled on me. And though the handler was like shocked. He's like, she's usually very skittish, you know? And he just like crawled on my shoulder. And I was like, that's adorable. I love when you're chosen by animals. It makes me happy. Yeah. Um, so the movie Mean Girls, I think I've probably watched it at least once a year ever since it came out in some form. Yeah. Okay. And I remember when we used, to, we used to work together, I used to quote it so much, like all the time. And, and I remember, it was, I remember uh, when Tanya um, started sitting at the table with us mm-hmm. and she was just quoting them all the time too. And I just thought, oh my God, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And it was funny because I started quoting it just all the time in my normal life. Like they would just come to me and then, and sometimes people would be like, what? Oh fuck, mean girls. And they would just, (laughs) so I've slowly sort of weaned it out of my day to day. Um, But it's still very good. I feel like it really, of all the teen movies, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really held up. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Um, there is the it is a little homophobic at times, like it pushes hard on some of those things, which I was like, but like not in a well, they're they're mean. So like you kind of expect it, but at the yeah. same time, I'm just like, really? Really? I kinda, <laughs> yeah, but you know, Dame interestingly, the actor that plays Damien, who's too gay to function, um, he actually wasn't even out of the closet when he played that role. And it just seemed like he looked so comfortable. Yeah. you know, as a mm-hmm. out gay student. Um, but apparently the actor didn't feel comfortable coming out until later, which I thought was really interesting. Oh, I I mean, I probably, he's an actor, so I probably shouldn't have just assumed, but maybe it's because I saw him on like different things after where I'm just like, because yeah. he always plays, the things I've seen him in, I saw him, well, what show was it? He did a show with like the lady who plays Peggy Carter that didn't last very long, which I thought wasn't a bad show. Um but yeah, he was super gay in that. Um, and then he did like a bit role in something. I saw and I was like, oh, it's the guy from Mean Girls. And yeah, yeah, he was super gay in that. So I'm just like, maybe you're gay. <laughs> um, but I maybe I also should just judge people. You know? Yeah, yeah, I know. 
I mean, that gets into a whole topic that we, yeah, about, you know, should straight people be allowed to play gay characters? And of course I think they should, because then are we saying that gay people aren't allowed to play straight characters? And that's not really, that's a false equivalency actually, because of the dominance and you need to have, anyway, there's a whole conversation. There's a whole conversation, yes. Really go into now, but um, I actually liked the portrayal of Damien and his friendship with, um, I want to say like, I want to say Lizzie because I know her actress name, yeah. but Janice Ian is actually the name of a famous, was it a singer or something like she was like, Janice Ian? I have no yeah. idea. Oh, yeah, just go real quick. Cause I remember like she's named that for a reason. Like Janice Ian is a real name and it's like, she's a singer. I think she was like a 60s singer. You know, should have looked this up before. Yes. yes. Janice Ian, American singer songwriter most commercially successful in the 60s. Her signature songs are the 66, 67 hit Society's Child and um, At At 17. I don't know those songs. I Wait, no, I probably shouldn't say that because I am, I love music. I got music in my head all the time. I always have music playing, but don't ask me to name most artists or titles of songs I won't know, but give me three (laughs) notes of something and I'll be like, oh, I know this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually can name artists, but I wasn't that familiar with her. But I thought it was really cool that they they decided to name this character Janice Ian. She's still alive. Like, she's not mm-hmm. someone that died. So I think that's really fun. But I really liked their friendship because, like, I've had a lot of friends sort of like that. Like, that kind of ballsy, sort of alt-confident, funny girl. Yeah. Um, and they often do like to hang out with the the gay guys. Um, so that well, rang because, true me. So yeah. to be honest they hang out with the gay guys because the gay guys are the only people who will put up with them and not in like a negative way. Like, as in like, they need to tone down so other people can put up with them. That's not what I mean. It's more along the lines of um, you're not girly enough for me to hang out with you. And girls will do that to them and boys will do that to them. Right. Because boys know they're not getting anything quote unquote out of it. And girls are just like, you have to fit in. Like you got to be a plastic. Like you have right. to follow these girl rules or else you right. don't count. Right. And then they get excluded. So it's part of the it's, well, it's part of the whole thing. But yeah. it's mutually beneficial too, right? Because you know, like gay guys in high school don't always feel like they fit in in certain groups either. I do remember, like when I was in high school, like it, it's funny because I was obviously always gay, but I, I wasn't out of the closet, and I was very not out of the closet when I was in high school. But in hindsight, I was super gay. Like, I mean, it was very obvious. I would dance around to Madonna. I would sing Paul Abdul. Like, I was super, super gay. But it was like, it was almost like Peter Rowe was so, so innocent. They didn't have the vocabulary to say it to my face. Or maybe because I was also the only Asian. Maybe they thought it was like an Asian thing. I don't know. But I mean, I was fortunate to evade getting gay bashed or outed or anything like that. I didn't have to deal with it. But I, I remember for years, I would just sort of sit. And where I ended up sitting... In high school, ended up a lot of my friends from grade school became football players and I stayed friends with them. So I would sit at the football player table, but then I also um, fast tracked. So I was becoming friends with people in the grade above us. And I had a mix of classes with my original grade and then the grade I was sort of moving into. And when I was in the new classes, I was always talking to like these really fun artsy people that I, re- I loved, right? And they were the loud, fun, flamboyant uh like girls and some guys and I thought they were great and I remember um I would sometimes sit at their table and so I kind of was a bit of a floater and I remember sometimes some of the girls would come over to where I was sitting and when they would leave 
some of these football guys would be like, how can you stand her? She's so loud. And I'd be like, she's so funny. She's so nice. And yeah. it was exactly what you're saying, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's not the type of person that they, but then the funny thing is I, I would see them talk to each other. Like I felt it was quite, everybody was quite nice, I guess, in Peter in some ways, but yes, you're right. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes you are lucky enough to be in a place where, um, I don't know, how do I put this, where the people just sort of mesh. And even if you don't get along or you don't fit together, they don't care. They're just like, they leave you to your business, you do your, I'll do my business. And that's the kind of thing I like. But like, cause I don't, I don't think you have to like everybody. I don't think you have to no. get along with everybody. That's no. just, that is just impossible to do. It's not a normal expectation either. And we, I say that to my daughter all the time. I said, you don't have to be friends with everybody. You don't have to like everybody, but you have to be kind to everybody. Yeah. Like you can never yeah. you can't be mean to anybody. Yeah. Like don't go, like, I find there are so many people out there go out of their way to be mean to people Absolutely. and for no reason. Well, the and reason is that they think it will make them feel better. Or they feel it will give them some sort of social capital or, you know, there's a lot of shitty reasons why people are mean to other people and it's Mm -hmm. none of which are good. And so I feel like, you know, hopefully that backfires on people eventually. I hope so too. Yeah. Because I, I, I feel like, or at least I try to reciprocate the behavior that is given to me. Right. Which (laughs) most of the time, if I'm with my friends or if I'm with people that I like, is relatively positive. It's a lot of fun. If I'm meeting new people, if you're shy, I'm going to be shy. And yeah. if you're a dick, I'm going to be a dick. Like, that's just how it works, right? You absorb the energy. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and like, if, and if, but if somebody's shitty to me, I'm going to be shitty to them. And, right. but I never, I try my best never to start the shittiness. Right. Like that is, that is just my goal. Don't be the first shitty person. <laughs> I think that's a pretty decent goal. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, at a minimum, it's like you're not adding to the shit. You're not creating the shit. Yeah. But I mean, I think but I think some of that comes from me like but like I can handle shitty people and not be shitty depending on my the day. But that I think that comes from working in retail for a long time and you have to just work with so many different people and so many different attitudes and so many different like demeanors just walking in the door before you even say a word you're just like that person's gonna yell at me this is this is gonna be fun you can tell and you can just you have to just smile or nod you know yeah um so yeah but then there are days where all your favorite customers come in and you guys laugh and talk about books and like you know talk about whatever and then you know everything's fun yeah yeah it's true i mean i do feel like you know the world does train us though that even if we don't like people it's never really socially acceptable to tell them that or to act in a way that lets people know that Mm -hmm. you kind of do just have to get along just to function in society. You do. Yes. Um, And that's, that's true of school. It's true of work. It's true of basically everything. Right. And that's where I feel like when you have good friends, like, you know, you chose them because you don't think they're shitty people, but obviously sometimes if you're unhappy with people or you, there's tensions, at least you're strong enough that you can talk it out and you can, you know, because you, you need to be able to talk about things. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, um, like having a friend group that you can you can be happy with and sad with or mad at without destroying the group yeah. is very important. Because very important. 
Yeah. You because all that all like keeping all that stuff in just creates animosity and frustration yeah. and will just blow up and ruin everything anyway. So yeah. get in it early. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also tell Maddie too that I feel like it's important for her to have more than one, like like obviously has a lot more than one friend, but I feel like it's good to have different friend groups, right? Because like different friend groups will have different dynamics, different bring different things out of you, give you different things as well. And it's just nice to have a variety. And like, I feel like that's true for everybody too, actually, because it's just, it makes you, I think, a better or a more well-rounded person. Agreed, yeah. Well, that's why they encourage people to do things like travel, see the world from a different perspective, meet people you would never meet if you are at home. Because like, if you sit at home and you sit in your little corner and you have TV and you have things, you're like, and you have everything you need. You're like, the world is perfect. I don't understand what people are complaining about, but that's because you're in a position where your world is perfect for you. That's actually a really good segue for Madagascar because that's how the movie starts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, that's, and I think that's one of the things I like about Madagascar. Be- I also think the way the stories on both sides work out it's the exact same storyline if you think about it yeah it really kind of is in reverse because she kind of disagree i don't think it's reverse i think it's the exact same you think because i think high school is the wild i think her becoming a plastic is like um ben stiller wanting steak right yeah and finally biting people on the ass and it's just like oh shit what did i do yeah and then you're, afterwards you're right, you're they right. find a solution to make it better. Yeah. No, you're right about the story. I just sort of meant in reverse, just from the very uh, surface level of uh, Katie moves from Africa and goes into um, civilization yes. and the animals move from civilization and go into the wild, just as a, as a premise, the reverse. Mm-hmm. But the actual story, I agree, is very, very similar. Yeah. But like what you were saying is like some people, they never want to get out of their head or they just want to stay at home and they're happy and everything. That's literally like I was thinking notes when I was watching Madagascar again, just for this podcast, that I kind of thought it was interesting because that Alex literally says it doesn't get any better than this. This is great. And he's super happy. He's excited to be in the zoo. Um, he's excited to see his fans. He's excited to sleep in the same space every day. He's excited for the same meals. It's literally what he's like. He just is happy with his life. He doesn't even want to see the world. He's literally in a cage yeah. and he doesn't have any interest. But what I thought when I was watching it is, you know, he doesn't really have a wrong in a way, right? I mean, if, if your insularity causes you to be prejudicial to people and not nice to people and it, it really um, shrinks your worldview to the point where I, you're not really able to function as properly. I think that is a problem. But I mean, in his case, like the world kept coming to him. He seemed to know a lot about New York and he was always meeting people. He just seemed very content in his job, basically. He, yeah. he was happy with what he had. And I actually remember thinking when I was watching this that it's. I know that he's going to get shaken out of this because I know where the movie goes, but I thought, you know, there's not enough movies and it would be an interesting movie that really celebrate the fact that really true happiness comes from finding satisfaction in what you have instead of constantly wishing and thirsting for what you don't have, because that's literally a, a fool's game. Like you'll never have everything, right? No matter what you get, if you're always nursing the things like the grass is always greener, if you're always thinking what we don't have, you know, people run the risk of never being happy. Like there's really rich people that are never happy because they just want more and more and more and more and more. Um, I think a really good lesson for people sometimes is just take stock of what you have and appreciate what you have. 
And then that's the same for marriage and relationships, right? Like a lot of people, they just like, they have a great relationship, but they want more and more and more and then everything. But then other people, like if they actually work on like, they're happy with what they have, it actually is good for them. Yeah. But, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with ha- having ambition or anything, but, but there are definitely people out there, like all the like Debbie Downers, I like to call them. Yeah. Uh, thank you, SNL, for that name. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, there's the people who always find the bad in any situation they're in. So they're sad and they're depressed constantly. And talking to them is a chore because they're just complaining all the time. But you're just like, it's a lovely day. We're having steak at a barbecue. We have drinks. Your friends are around. You have a job. You have a home exactly. to go to. Like, everything is nice. Like, at least be happy today. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. And like, I know there, there's like mental illnesses and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, we all have those days where we just don't care. I'm sad and depressed and everything is horrible. I get yeah. it. But there's going to be that every day or no and if you are every day then that's probably meaning that you're depressed and you probably get professional help yes agreed <laughs> agreed <laughs> <laughs> but in the movie i think it's interesting that um so marty the zebra he longs to be in the wild again because of that mural and he actually is not satisfied with his job at the zoo because he he's like it's the same old thing every day like i feel like i'm wasting my life like it's like every day is going to be like this and i thought it was an interesting conversation just because i'm really reading adult themes into this children's cartoon but i think it's actually rich enough that you can do that because it's you know it's kind of alex the lion i think it's a legitimately genuinely good point of view to be happy with what you have but then marty also at the same time he is not satisfied he is not satisfied with job he is not happy with what he's doing and so he's also right to want more if he doesn't like it it's just fortunate that alex actually likes it but if you don't like it you can't force yourself to like it necessarily agreed so i did like that there were both plots that were both kind of yeah yeah well one thing I, i do like about this movie and like i know again adult themes and into a cartoon but i think most cartoons are made that way purposefully so parents taking their kids to see these things will not want to rip all their eyes out and everything yeah um but like the four main characters are full-fledged characters like they have depth and they grow and they change and they understand things and they understand the world around them you know they understand their place in the world and i think that's why they keep trying to talk marty not into leaving because they know if they leave they'll upset the people and then they'll upset their whole way of life like it it trickles down you know yeah. and they and were rightly afraid they were yeah because as soon as they got out then boom they were shipped out they're like well we can't be in here anymore yeah. um and it's true like no animals shouldn't be in zoos but you also can't have wild animals like that in a city it's dangerous yeah. you know I not know. just for them but for people as well but that's why it's funny because you can talk about whether it's right or wrong for what they want just metaphorically and as characters like they're talking characters that aren't in the real world mm-hmm. but then you can talk literally because they are animals in the zoo and they shouldn't actually have be zoo animals outside so like there's different levels at which you can discuss whether it's appropriate but it's funny too because I, I also like the fact that uh it was so new yorky because i love new york <laughs> yeah. i love new york and i just love that they kept putting you know little details in there to sort of really hammer home that these are new yorker animals and like i i wrote down some of the just the 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 conversations i thought were funny like when they broke out and they were trying to figure out how to find marty who they think probably went to union station and then it's like uh alex goes uh 
no, the Melman of Giraffe goes, we should take Lexington. And then Alex goes, we should take Park. And then Melman goes, no, Park goes two ways. You can't time the lights. I thought that was so funny. It, it, it sounds like a writer that lives in New York literally yeah. has had this conversation about traffic in New York. They were in a cab yelling at the cab driver, don't go that way, go the other way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and just little things like, you know, this is the fun side. This is the bad side. You're on the cesspool Jersey side, which is like a thing that a New Yorker would probably say. I don't know. But then I also liked that just on the, on the tip where you're saying, you know, like they make them for adults too. Like all cartoons these days, like there's a layer for adults. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, I love that there's like all these sly little, I think, political commentaries. Like, so the zebra who's voiced by Chris Rock. So it's a black actor mm -hmm. when he's like, wandering the streets of New York, uh, a cop looks at him walking away and the cop is on the, on the CB and says, I see the zebra, can I shoot it? Which is, you know, pretty disturbing. It's a cop looking essentially at a black character like, I wanna shoot it, yes. right? And that is like something that became super timely. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the I funny thing is, it's like, I didn't even pick out that scene that way. I just picked it out, not even that it was a black person, but the fact that the cops on the street is trigger happy, right? They're like, I just want to shoot something. Yeah. That's what I got out of it. And I was just like, that's, that. like, they're both very disturbing. And you're just like, well, in one way, is he racist? Maybe. But also in another way, does he just want to kill things? That's also but very I, scary. I, I think it is probably just that he wants to kill things, but I bet the writers and everything, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. I bet it is sort of in there. Yeah, like, a coincidence you know. yeah. And the fact that later on, like the zebra says, I never knew if I was white with black stripes or black with white stripes. And then, you know, they say you're, you're black, right? Like, no, I feel like no, but didn't he, no, I thought he said like, um, so Alex said when he was pretending to count his things, he's just like, and 23. So you're more white than black. Isn't that, well, that what he said? said? I thought it was the other way around. Anyway, uh, I don't remember. I'll have to look it up again now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I had one other thing that was funny. Oh, this is the other sort of, I thought, social issue, subtle dig. So when they were being transferred to, like they think they're being transferred to another zoo on the ship and they're the all arguing, yeah. right? And then, uh, yeah, and he goes, oh, we're going, probably going to San Diego Zoo. And then Melman's first concern, because he's a hypochondriac is, we can't go to another zoo. No other zoo can afford my medical care, which is, <laughs> right? Like, I, I think that's hilarious. I made a comment about the HMO, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the state of, the sort state of the American health system. Which I know is, it was actually pretty poignant. A lot of the comments they were making in yeah. here. Uh, it's, yeah. it's better than I thought. I remember because I remember watching it with Maddie, my daughter again. Sorry, like it's so only both of these movies relate to my daughter or so many or maybe everything does now. But like I, Mean Girls relates to, because I, I see it in real life and like I'm starting to worry about it in real life. And Madagascar just because I watched this movie with Maddie a lot. She actually liked it when she was younger. Because um, the fun. animal, it's fun, and we used to watch it all the time. But now, just watching it for this, I just picked up on a lot of things that I didn't really notice when I was sort of half watching before. I just thought of something. I don't know why I didn't pick up on this, but also this is on a topic right now because Jada voices the hippo and Chris Rock voices the zebra. That's oh true. my god! Oh my god! Yes, lots That's of things in here. Hilarious, and like there's such <laughs> friends in the movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, it's funny how uh, things come around if you look back at what they've done together. But so I picked up on two other things that I thought were really, and these are not slide all. These are very obvious in your face, but I still appreciated them. Like mm. when um, 
when Alex builds that sort of makeshift Statue of Liberty out of trees and coconuts to try to attract people. And then, and then Melman actually burns it to the ground and then it's sort of a half Statue of Liberty coming out of the sand. Yeah. And then he, he goes, darn you, darn you all to heck. I thought that was so funny because it's like, I love that they were referencing Planet of the Apes and like recreating that scene. And I actually, know. I actually, at that point, I started writing down the, ref- the movie references within yeah. this movie. And I was only, well, from that point on, I was, I only found six, but there was definitely a Zoolander one before that. So I noted that as well. So I found yeah. seven references because then he yells at Spalding, um, the basketball instead of Wilson, the volleyball. So that's a castaway yeah. reference. And there's kind of the apes. Then he shows like, um, they show a book, um, like uh, how to cook apes or whatever. Oh, no. To serve lemur. To serve lemur. That's, uh, I think that's man. from um, the Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. Yeah, but that's um, not a, that, that's a famous, famous episode of Twilight Zone. Um, then there was um, American Beauty, of course, when there's the part where all the stakes are falling around him and stuff. Then there's the do Born Free, which is was a famous documentary and a musical piece and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, another TV thing was they did the, the music of the Wild Kingdom when they're like running in the field. So I those are the references I got. That's good. That's yeah. more than I got. That's good. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very well done movie because there's a lot of stuff in there for grownups, for for, for adults, um, <laughs> grownups. That's like the the kid word. I am uh, not a grown up, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also thought it was fun that uh, it was fairly dark, right? Like the fact that because I remember thinking when I was watching this. You know, it is sort of funny that like the lion is friends with everybody because in cartoons they're all really, like they're all friendly. They ignore the fact that the lion is the apex predator and really would eat all these other friends. Like it's been a while since I watched it, and I thought I, I forgot that that's the whole plot point really for the climax that he actually Reverse. could eat all of his friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, when when he's eating all the steaks. And it's like, you know, all these animals are essentially steaks. And I thought, you know, they'll probably never go there. And they totally went there and they all look like steaks. I thought that was really funny. And I, I remember wondering, did Maddie pick up on the fact that this one character wants to eat all of his friends? It's pretty disturbing. I don't remember her ever reacting to this, but maybe it's just funny. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think when you're very young, I don't think that's something you're going to pick up on. You're going to be like, oh, look, food. Like, that's all you're going to think. Uh, but yeah, no, even while I was watching now, I was like, oh, no, that is not a good thing. Because yeah. this is something I always question when watching a lot of these animated movies where your characters are animals. And like, especially like, um, what is it, Zootopia and stuff like that, where yeah, yeah. you have cities that, that has, yes, a predator section and like a, a herbivore section. Like they have the two separate sections. But I'm just like, but what are the carnivores eating was always my question. <laughs> but then even watching this at the end of the movie, they give they end up giving Alex sushi, but in a world where the animals can talk and move and they're it's sentient it. and yeah. like, where does that stop? Like, aren't yeah. the fish being like, don't eat me? Because, you know, when Marty shows up, he's riding on the back of a dolphin. I know they're technically mammals, but they're still in the water. They're still, yeah. you know, you know. It's- yeah. You know, I, I had the same thought because I was kind of like, you know, I guess they had to solve the problem now that he realizes he's a carnivore and he technically would eat all of his friends, but they don't, they need to do several sequels. Like, 
you know, what do they do to solve the problem? And the, yeah, they sell, they serve them fish and they never animate the fish. But I did think, was this fish a talking, singing fish before it was on this plate or right. in this world, do fish just, are they just, they're not sentient. Like, yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess we just, we just have to leave that alone. We have to walk away from it. Just <laughs> that's just what it is. It's you too know. disturbing. But you know, sure. th th there's a level of of brutality in in the movie that they weren't afraid to show. Like that one sequence where, after Alex kind of ran off because he tried to eat Marty, but then the the remaining three animals are walking through the jungle. There's that montage of all the cute animals getting eaten by other animals, and then he tried like one of the Melman tries to save this cute little duckling and puts it in the water, and then. A crocodile eats the duckling. Yeah, I thought like I don't feel like Disney would have done that like five years ago, ten years ago. Like they would have. No, I think that's something. Like I find right now, um, a lot of companies are not afraid to go in darker places, but they're also very afraid to show the brutality of things. Um, which was not an issue when we were growing up, for sure. No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there's like, sometimes I watch things, I'm like, how come there's not a joke there? Because there definitely should have been a joke there. What's going on? <laughs> then I think about it, I'm like, yeah, no, the kids today can't handle that. That's fine. I know. A lot of things that we watched growing up, you couldn't probably do now. I remember somebody said, was it? Somebody actually said they didn't think they could do Mean Girls now, but I think you could. Mean Girls is actually pretty, I think you could do it now. Um, well, de definitely a lot of things would have to change, but to be honest, I think Mean Girls is Euphoria right now, so... Oh, Euphoria is so it. dark, though. It's so dark, yes. Euphoria is like, I can't even, I, I haven't, I, have to, I haven't watched it. I've tried to watch it, I watched a couple of episodes, mm -hmm. and I started thinking, is literally every kid in here, when we focus, they're going to do something terrible and make a terrible decision and do something really bad and really dangerous? And the answer is yes, they're all... <laughs> They're all like, and I just, I can't believe that that is at all remotely close to the truth, you know? Yeah. No, I, only that the, the, the sister didn't, the one, the one girl, um, played by, um, oh my God, what's her, the one who put on the play. I didn't, I, I hardly oh, you haven't watched it. Sorry. Yes. Um, the, the Apatow daughter, I don't remember uh, what her name is. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't, I know there was an Apatow. Anyways. But she is the only character so far who has not actually done anything wrong. Yes, she wrote a play about her friends and all that kind of stuff, put it on, very excited. But she technically has done anything wrong except sort of fall in love with a gangbanger, uh, well, a drug dealer, really. But right. she hasn't done anything wrong. And I'm very happy you have one person to just root for and be like, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you need um, one person to root for. But yeah, I've gone too far into the show and I can't stop watching it. Um, but every time I watch an episode, I want to curl up in a ball in a corner. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. Why are you breaking my heart like this? Uh, there's feel so much, like just so much in every single episode. Like it's oh, heart-wrenching. Yes. I Yeah, I can't do it right now. But I, I watch Heartstopper and it's so sweet. I feel like... I haven't watched much of Euphoria, but it feels like the opposite of Euphoria. Okay. Which one's Heartstopper? I don't know that it's one. It's like the gay romance and it's become really popular. It's like British. Mm -hmm. Okay. You need to go watch it. It's okay. super <laughs> It's really, it will reaffirm your belief in humanity because it's. Okay. Because I've, so I've been nice. looking for lighter things to watch because I find even with like comedies and stuff, like everything is just 
so heavy or turns like such a dark corner that you're just like, I just, I just want to laugh or I just want to smile or just want to have like a good day. And you're ruining it with your good storytelling and your evil people. (laughs) And your your heart wrenching plots and your (laughs) tragic characters. I well, this is why there's comfort movies and comfort television. And this is why, like, I mean, I, I can't stop watching Mean Girls. Like, I literally, I can quote the entire movie from front to back. I could, like, I could do a, a little presentation of it. But it's just, I just find it so comforting, even though there are things, I guess, you know, probably could change. But I do think at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fairly good message. And you know how we were saying, like, you know, I want Maddie to have more than one group of friends that's going to have different friend groups. And, you know, Mean Girls really at the beginning, like everybody is very siloed into their group, right? Like cool Asians and freaks and plastics and jocks and whatever else. And they're all, but at the end of the movie, it's all mixed up. And it, they make a point of, you know, one of the one of them joined uh, the jock girls who weren't afraid and one went to the cool Asians and then, but then there's scenes of them braiding each other's hair and all the groups are together, like mixed up. And to me, I thought that was a really great ending because it's so, it's actually true. I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, I think it's just like, I, like, I think that's the the thing that's so positive about this movie that even though the movie starts with, you know, cliques and bullying and all this kind of stuff, and it it does take a dark turn when the burn book is like thrown out there and you hear all the horrible things that have been said about you and your friends and and all that kind of stuff. Which is so funny though, but. You know, but it it did take Regina getting hit by a bus to make this change. But at the same time, you can, like everybody just seemed happier not having to have this like false persona out there that they have to maintain all the time or else they lose face in whatever group they're in and then you're in trouble, you know? And like, you know, I feel like this one sequence goes on a little too long, except for the, like, I do like (laughs) when like, like the group therapy session, but I do like, there are some really good moments in it where she goes, well, I can't help it if I have a heavy flow and an extra wide vagina. And he's like, I, Not doing it. Not doing it. Mm-hmm. And I understood that. She doesn't even go here. I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> go home. And actually, I went to see the Mean Girls musical in, in uh, New York. Yeah. And I got a hoodie that on the front, it says, she doesn't even go here. <laughs> Was it a Wednesday? Was it pink? Oh, no, no, it's gray. But, you know, one of Maddie's first shirts was a pink shirt that says on Wednesdays we wear pink. And mm-hmm. every every Wednesday... I would make her wear it. <laughs> yeah, I was that dad. It I was mean, you could only wear it on Wednesday. Well, no, you know, technically, you can, only... you can wear it any day. No. Just people know on Wednesdays you wear pink. You really can't. You have to wear it on Wednesdays. <laughs> For a while, I was actually wearing pink on Wednesdays just as a fun thing and wondering if anyone would notice. <laughs> I think we did notice. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> We're on to you and your tricks. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like I do want to show that movie to Maddie at some point because I don't, I do think it's actually a pretty good lesson. But yeah. well, I, I like to, they, they go to the point where like 
you know, with Katie and how she's like, she likes this boy. And she's like, the only way to talk to him is for me to be stupid. So I can ask yes. questions. Yes. And I thought that was like a good thing to bring up in there because a lot of girls do that. Like a lot of them do. We're just like, I just have to pretend I'm helpless and I can't do anything. And then boys will like me because they'll want to help me and teach me things and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but you can be smart yeah. and also be attractive because you're smart. You have things to say, say those things to that person. Exactly. Like, You don't have to dumb yourself down. And if the person needs you to be dumb for them to like you, that is not the person for you. Yeah, that's very important. I want Maddie to know that. Like she should always never be less than she is to impress anyone. But the other side of that coin is we should stop coddling men that they need to feel superior. Like we have to stop trying to like, you know, feed into the male ego, which only leads to the toxic masculinity, right? Like why can't he be less good at math than the girl and still like the girl? Why Mm -hmm. does he have to feel superior to the woman in order to like her? And that's why, that's why girls do it. Yeah. But one thing I liked about the character in the movie as well is that, you know, when he found out about this, he's just like, that's stupid. Why would you do that? You're allowed to be good at math. And I was like, okay, good. At least he's not, at least he's not, they didn't make him like a stupid jock boy, you know, who is fragile about his, you know, his status and he's got to be better than the girl at things. He was just like, be you. And that's what I want. Like, yeah, he was really great about it. He was really good about it. And I feel like, yeah, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of good lessons in there too. Like, I mean, you know, it's a little on the nose, but it's still good. Like when she's, you know, gone to the mathletes competition when the prom's going on. And then she says that speech, like making fun of Gretchen wouldn't make me win this competition, you know? Yeah. Um, You have to know your shit, but her having bad lipstick is not going to make a difference. No. Or looking at her snaggle tooth is not going to make her feel like it doesn't make you better. Like that whole lesson is like, putting somebody else doesn't make you better. doesn't make you smarter. doesn't make mm-hmm. you, which is the lesson, right? And I think yeah. it's a good lesson. It's a very good lesson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, oh, I'm glad at the end of the movie, they made sure that she was back to being smart again. And, you know, like, yeah, it's pretty stereotypical that they won because she's smart now. But at the same time, I was just like, good. She's not actually stupid. It's great. Yeah. And I like that she made up with her friends. I like that they even, the friends that were so close even tried kissing once and then they said, nah. <laughs> and, like, you know, I know. like, yeah, I thought that even those minor characters, they had kind of interesting little arcs. They did. And which I really enjoyed. And even the interracial stuff, right? It was a very diverse cast. It was. But, well, that's one of the things I was looking at when I was watching this. I'm like, they're super inclusive in this movie and the cast and like the high school kids and stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, they had they had like the overweight kid. They had a kid in a wheelchair. They had yeah. um, a little person. They had, you know, of course, black people and Asian people and, and whatever, you know. Um, is Lizzie Kaplan actually Lebanese? Because her character's Lebanese at the end. And I was just like, I know there's a Lebanese person. Here. I, know. I, I love like, that. Too. This yeah. is great. And it didn't seem forced at all. And this is like well before we were all trying to be so diverse, right? Mean Girls predates like the current vogue for diversity, which, you know, I hate saying that because I want diversity to be a real thing forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no denying that it's become more topical lately. Yes. But also one thing Mean Girls didn't do was make each person overly stereotypical. If you yeah. know what I mean, like Kevin G, for example, yeah, yeah. he's like the math dork and he's Asian, but they didn't have an have, a, have a, they did not have him have an accent. 
which is something well, they would do now because like I they're was, like no you have to know he's he's like indian or whatever like i was literally is. going to bring up kevin g as well because i love that he's like the nerd the mathlete but he's a rapper too and like mm-hmm. He says, like, <laughs> like his rap is hilarious, and he rips off his shirt and goes, how do you like me now? <laughs> I love that part. I love it. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. And he's so confident, right? Yeah. He doesn't care that he's a nerd. No, exactly. And But but that's what, to me, like, what was really weird watching this right now, because I was just like, I thought Kevin G was, like, worse looking. He's not that bad looking. I don't understand why they're rejecting this boy. Well, it's because he's a mathlete, right? Social suicide. Social but suicide. like, but like, he actually is very confident, and mm-hmm. he he's rapping, and he's you know got stuff going on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great the way they handle those characters. Yeah, um, and like the girl in the wheelchair, they didn't make her character the girl in the wheelchair. They're like, she's the Hispanic girl who just happens to roll around in a wheelchair. But she's also mean, right? You yeah. don't. You don't hate you because I, what was it? What does she say? I hate you because like, whatever it says, like she's really mean to her friend. <laughs> oh, um, you're, what is it? Oh my God. I'm so ashamed of myself right now. There's something about being fat and I hate you. You're not fat because I don't hate you because. Oh, I don't hate you because fat. you're fat. You're, you're, fat, you're fat because, because I, hate, I you. hate you. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it. We got there. <laughs> Took a second. Took a second. Yeah, no, I I just love that about the movie. Like, they didn't, they didn't, yes, the whole point of the beginning of the movie is to put people in cliques and all that kind of stuff, but they also didn't actually pigeonhole any of the people in the movie. And the fact is, it is true. A lot of, there are cliques that does happen, right? But I think that they did a good job of showing how it can stop I mean, the one thing I don't know how they would handle is like the uh, the coach having sex with the girls, and it was kind of dealt comedically. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know, post me too, and we're taking it much more seriously. I don't know if that would be there for a laugh anymore. Well, they said he fled school grounds, so I'm assuming they found him at home and he was arrested because yeah. that's a thing that would happen. Um, but yeah, I think now that would have definitely been taken out. Anything to do yeah. with like a teacher and a student. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They have whole shows about teachers and students getting it on now. That's so, true. I don't know. Who's don't to know. say? But like, and the Asian characters talking like in Korean to each other. I love that. Like they, they're in the school, but they're not just talking English. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I got a big laugh when they were all, when, when that moment where all the cliques are fighting amongst each other. And one of them says, oh, because I'm, he thinks I'm prettier. And then the other girl in, in Korean and says, uh, and please, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to say the word. Oh, yeah. But, well, uh, they don't even write the word on the screen. It's it's like start out. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they would do that now, though. I mean, it's sort of funny just to have, you know, I don't know why it's funny. Just like, I guess it's so streety urban and the subtitle is funny. Um, but I feel like they wouldn't do that now because like that word is so off limits. And like, but I also, I also think part of, the comedy and part of the the social uh commentary on that scene is the fact that if she was speaking english and everybody could understand her there's no way she would have said it because everybody had been like what the hell yeah right but the fact is if you're speaking a different language and you're in a place where other people can't hear you that could be offended by the word and you're talking to your friend who knows you're gonna say it 
they're going to say it because you just don't know. That's true. So many layers to this brilliant, perfect movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, but but it's true. Like, I actually think it's just such like a, it's a pretty succinct, well put together story about like, you know, the life of a teenager that's not, yes, it's a little bit exaggerated, but I don't actually think for that time period, it was ridiculous. No, I don't yeah. think about it at all. And I think the fact that, you know, the mean girl like Regina and, you know, hating life in the plastics was better than not being in the plastics at all because people knew stuff about you and everybody like the Like, I like that they tap into why people are willing to put up with this, right? Mm-hmm. Like what they, get, yeah, what they get out of it. And when she says the strange, like when they're trying to be mean to Regina, like the meaner, Gretchen, the meaner Regina was to Gretchen, the more Gretchen tried to please her. And then it was like, you know, even though I hated her, I still wanted her to like me, right? Like those, those things I think are very true. Like you can really look up to someone and even though you don't like them as a person, but you still want them to like you. And I think they did a very good job of that. And I also think Regina George isn't really that bad. Like, I feel like she's, she is mean. She Okay. She does some mean things like she, like stealing the boyfriend back and, but she's not as bad as the Heathers at all. Oh no, no, no. She's She's not trying to actively murder anybody. So that's no. And she's also, but she's also like, although Heathers didn't try to murder people, they were murdered. They were just really mean to people. But like, you know, Regina's even like, you know, helping them look better with their makeup. She's just really self-centered. And controlling. And controlling. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. Like, I, I think that's the biggest problem with Regina is the fact that it's not that she's actively mean, but if she, if you want something she thinks you shouldn't want, she will destroy you making sure you don't get that. You're right. You're right. She is mean because she's controlling. And that is what I'm seeing playing out in the playground. Sometimes the, all the little girls are trying to like control the other girls. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's not nice. So you're right. Like it, it's, but it's a more realistic mean. It's not a movie mean. In a way. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're not, you know, like they're not trying to hit you with a car every day or something. Right. Like, no, right. no. Right. How girls do it. Like they say is like, we just destroy our souls. Yeah. You know, we, we kill you from the inside out compared to the, like, how boys do, which is the outside. In. It's... Yeah. Like, like that whole Gretchen thing, like, you don't even know how mean she really is. You know, one year my parents got me these really beautiful hoop earrings and they're really expensive. But Regina said that hoop earrings were her thing. So I wasn't allowed to wear them. So I had to tell my parents I didn't like them. And it was so sad. And I think, <laughs> but I, I think it's so funny, right? But then at the end of the movie, when she, when, when Gretchen is talking to her new clique, they, like she's wearing hoop earrings. Yeah. yeah. Which is so nice. But also like that story makes you understand why Gretchen gets so angry when she tries to sit at the table, not yeah. wearing the right thing. Yes. Because I'm like, if I did that, you would torture me. Yeah. Okay. I would not be allowed to sit here. So how come you get to break the rules and I can't break the rules? And it was because the Regina rules are for everybody except for her, right? She just wants to control everybody. Exactly, exactly. So, but, you know, and that is a, like we keep saying, that is a proper representation of people in our world. We've all met people like that. We've all been in rooms with people like that, you know? So you're sitting there watching this and you're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's about right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. It's, It's absolutely true, yeah. I've never met anybody 
quite as stupid as the other girl though but yeah oh you mean the one that has espn or something (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's like like my boobs can tell when it's like when it's going to rain well actually it can tell when it's raining (laughs) yeah i know um i'm she thinks i'm really dumb you're not dumb i am actually no surely you must have something that you can do i can put my whole fist in my mouth want to see no (laughs) <laughs> stupid so well <laughs> so funny. you know one thing i've always found very interesting is that if you watch like tv shows and movies um so like even like hillary and fresh prince or like uh luke in modern family um and things like that um and also ugh, why am i forgetting her name right now um what is her name who plays the stupid one I in what show? In what show? Uh, sorry, Amanda Seyfried in this movie. On this um, movie, yeah. yeah. They are usually the smartest people in the show. Like, the guy who plays Luke in Modern Family, he's part of Mensa. Like, right. that kid's, like, a genius, you know? Same with Sharon Stone, right? Sharon Stone was in Mensa. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, and I find, like, I, I think maybe their genius understands stupi- stupidity on a different level, so they can portray <laughs> it so well, you know, like, they get it out there. They got, they know, they know. Well, she does a good job with it, the whole, it's so funny. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like, you know, I think she actually auditioned for a different role. I think she was auditioning for Regina, and then she ended up getting that other one, but... She, I, you know, I don't know it was the best showcase for her because I thought she was so good at it, but I all, I didn't think she had as much range as I ended up seeing because I've like, seen her in so many other movies now with Madison Green and mm-hmm. she's got so much range. <laughs> she does. She's a great actress. I, yeah. I think she's fantastic. She's great. Yeah. But she has definitely put out there like that wide-eyed, vacant stare. She's got it down yeah. packed. Yeah. Yeah, no, she does. <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen it. We've all seen it. <laughs> Uh, um, I actually think too, like, um, despite the fact I think Regina's wig is horrible, um, it frustrates me. But I think it's supposed to just look over fried and everything because she clearly bleaches her hair and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think this movie's like perfectly cast. Like it it's really like, is. perfectly cast. It's perfectly cast. I completely agree. Even like every single character, even the mm-hmm. teachers, like even teachers are fantastic. Like, all yeah. the other teachers, like, and you know what I, I read too? Like, they made a point of making sure that the extras made the school seem real. So there were always like kids you'd seen before in different classrooms and the cafeteria and at the prom and like kids that you notice wearing different things. And like, so it felt like a real school. It just, it didn't feel like just every time there's a different cast of extras, like random extras. Mm-hmm. They really made it so that there were people that it felt like you were actually getting to know the people in the school, just visually even, which, yeah. you know, I don't think it always happens. No, I find in a lot of movies, you kind of get disconnected from it because yeah. You even though you go to the same spaces, there aren't this either the spaces seem empty or it's always new, and you're just like, Well, but if they're in the same place, shouldn't it have the same people? Like, isn't that how that's supposed to work? You know, like you're going to work every day, why aren't you passing the same person's desk? How come there's always different people around you? Exactly, exactly, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really think it was such a well done movie. And I think it, it, 
I think it persists in the general public's imagination for a reason. Like, I think it's really, you know, not just funny, but it's very truthful in a lot of ways. And it's just, it's just so well done. It talks about an experience that whether we were inside of it or outside of it, all of us have, ex- have experienced it in some way. So yeah. like, we know about the clicks. We know about the, the bitchy girl. We know about the nice new girl. We know about like, you know, the goth kid who's angry in the background and, and all this kind of stuff. Like we all, we all know those yeah. people or have interacted with those people I have to figure oh. it out. And even with the changing of technologies and how people interact with each other, that's right until you know they genetically put like um chips in our brains to actually alter our personalities completely so we all get along i don't think the idea is gonna change well the interesting thing is like i feel like i mean that came out before social media was a huge thing right like so the burn book is very or like it's, it's very antiquated right like cutting and pasting pictures in a physical book right mm-hmm. i feel like if mean girls was to be written now it'd be about like bullying or social media and all it'd of be twitter stuff. that like that burn book is just twitter it's asshole twitter that's what it or is. it's like you know i mean I, i'm sure that snapchat and twitter and and tiktok like the popular girl maybe would be an influencer now or something and like mm-hmm. Like it, they would have to change it because like, and a lot of kids, instead of hanging out at malls, cause like malls are dead, right? Um, they would be at home just chatting with each other all the time. Like it might be less interesting. I don't know, but uh, yeah. It's interesting yeah. to see how, you know, it has dated. Like it's, it's an old movie now. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, people- a lot of the story would be digital is yeah. they, they definitely have to figure out how are we bullying people now? And, you know. It won't well, be Facebook, it'd be bullying? like Instagram or something. Does Euphoria have bullying? I haven't watched enough of it to know. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. And is it just Definitely online? the, no, there's a, well, there's definitely online stuff as well as like, it's not just bullying, but it's also like getting into like the wrong thing online. You know, like one girl starts making money because some guy asked to just talk to her and then she gets like scandalous online. Right. So she has money to spend and stuff. Right. Um, and they do talk about like online bullying. They talk about like texting and all this kind of stuff, but it's not the same kind of like behind the back stuff that happens in Mean Girls. Like right. I find everything in Euphoria is just very face for like front yeah. facing. You're just like, I'm going to be mean to you now. Here's my meanness. Right. Done. You know? well, I mean, one of my favorite scenes in Mean Girls is the, you know, the three-way call attack. Yeah. <laughs> but that would not happen now, right? With call waiting or whatever. And no, it'd be a group text and then a single person text, and then they screenshot that and send it in the group text. Yes, that's right. You're, that's exactly right. But it's, fun, it's funny the way it plays out in a thing. And when she thinks, oh, she's so annoying, it's still me. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Oh, she's so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect. <laughs> get rid of her aggression's on my nerves she's on my last nerve okay and then she goes back um she doesn't want like she um Regina's saying no one's going to vote for you because you're such a slut Ugh. I think you had a right to know <laughs> I just I love the way it all unfolds and then she's like I can't go out why not I'm sick <laughs> Boo <Boo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo
the meanest line, but also my favorite line in the whole movie. Boo hoo whore. Boo whore. Yes. I, um, I said that I had a friend of mine, uh, Nalesh, that we used to say that to each other all the time when we used to cancel. It'd be like, boo hoo whore. Click. I actually like, say it. A, I used to say it a lot too, but I, I've kind of cut down on that one a lot because when Maddie's around, I don't want her to hear me saying boo whore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably not a good thing for a six-year-old to hear on a regular basis. One of the funny lines that I, I'm surprised I've said so much is like sometimes when people are like, oh, I really wanted this and it's sold out. And I'll say, you can always try Sears. <laughs> <laughs> Sears doesn't exist anymore. My God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they never, they're always like, oh, what? Like occasionally people are like, oh yeah. And they laugh. I'm like, haha, so funny. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. No. I. I mean. I think it's better than a lot of the references I make when I'm in public. Because I. I reference some random things sometimes. People just look at me like I don't. What? It's too much to explain. I'm just gonna walk away. It's fine. Just leave it. Just yeah. leave it. Tommy, I reference like '80s sitcoms all the time. Like, like obscure episodes of '80s sitcoms. So clearly nobody will get it except for. <laughs> It's your inside joke. As long as yeah. you two get it, that's all that matters. We yeah. love it. We love them. <laughs> They're great shows. When are you talking about? <sighs> um, but I'm going to segue back to, to Madagascar because we were talking about the three-way calling. And I have to admit, one of the ingenious things in Madagascar is the scene when they wake up in the boxes on the ship. Yes. And it starts off with Alex. And then he starts hearing other people. And it's like, it's so good to hear your voice. And then the other box shows up and the other box shows up. And they're, they're, you see how they are laid out together and all this kind of stuff. And I don't, there's just something about that scene that is both heartwarming and scary and very funny at the same time. Yeah. Because even after they come out the boxes, so like after they're talking, you see the outside of the boxes and the ship. And when Melman wakes up, he's like on his head and he's just like, oh, I love I love having a cat scan or whatever. Yeah. But when they come out of the things, it says the giraffe other um, this way up, but it's pointing downward. So like, no, they actually put the thing in there upside down. That's why. Right. It's a really good detail. Yeah, it's a, it's such a good detail. And. Like I was watching, just like, oh my god, they really do pay attention to these things. This is hilarious, and I loved it. I did like that scene, the way it unfolded and everything, and I did feel like this is pretty terrifying. Like he's trapped in a box. It's like being buried alive. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And then when they fall into the water, and he's looking out, and he's just floating, I was thinking that would be horrifying. (laughs) It would be terrifying. Like he'd probably die. Right. Yeah. It's a pretty dark moment, but uh, yeah, I, I I did like the way they handled it. I also found, just talking about Madagascar, it ends in a weird way. <laughs> Going on their next adventure on ship that has no nothing. Well, no yeah, it, like it, it ends with them believing they've been saved, and then the penguin saying, Do, "Should we tell them?" No, and it's ended. <laughs> you know, well, I think that's why they end up somewhere on the continent of Africa in the next movie because they can't get that far, right? But you know what? They wouldn't have. I guess they were counting on it, but I mean. If it wasn't a, if it wasn't a success, there would have been no sequels. Mm-hmm. So that would have just been the end of the story. <laughs> and to be honest, I like yeah, it's a strange place to end that it was clearly set up for a sequel, but it was still like a like an ending. Like they they told that story. Yeah. The ending of the story was really when Alex and Marty said, "I don't care where we are as long as we're together." Yes. 
Yes. And that was sort of, that was, I guess, the resolution of, Mel- not Melman, it was Marty, like his wandering heart or whatever. Like he just realized home is where the heart is, where, is where, where his friends are. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's pretty true because like, no yeah. matter how great your life are, if you're, if you're on the coast of Belize in a giant house and you're by yourself all the time and you have nothing to do. Yeah. That sounds kind of lame to be honest. Well, also I thought it was funny that the penguins were really dying to get to Antarctica and they get there and there's just a scene with them in the snow and then this sucks. And then <laughs> that's the end of that goal. <laughs> At least but, they know. They figured it out real quick. Yeah. The yeah. penguins are funny. I mean, they're always favorites because they're mm-hmm. so funny. But I love that they turned them into like these mafia guys, but they are all kind of very self-aware. Cute and cuddly boys. Cute and cuddly. <laughs> they do throw throw a lot of like good stuff in there but one thing okay so here comes another one of those questions that you can answer or try to answer but um it's one of those like cartoon movie things right where there's animals involved and all this kind of stuff but they live in a world where they interact well from a distance with humans right people can see them he puts on a show blah 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 And from these things, you can, so like they stand up on like their hind legs and make like roaring sounds and, you know, whatever and jog and blah, blah, blah. And from this, because you can see people animating their movements, people are seeing them move that way. Right? Yes. Yes. But my question is like, if they're seeing them move that way, then they'll realize they're relatively docile and so, like the the scene in like um, Central uh, right. Central Terminal, I'm just like, but you know, it's Alex from the zoo. So. Yeah, you're right. It's suspension of disbelief. How come? I, and I guess it's partly like he's talking to them, but it's supposed. To, I guess it's coming out like rah 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 rah. Yeah. Like, right. like they have fans, and he's not actually like jumping up and burying his teeth. Like he's mm-hmm. he's acting like a human. <laughs> yeah exactly right so i'm just like because especially this the, that scene like because he puts up his hand like he's just like hey calm down i'm not doing anything and even if you can't understand what they're saying that body language should yeah. be relatively understandable I agree. so it's it, again it's one of those things so you're like so wait how much is actually understood by the people or do the do the animals not understand that the people don't understand them or because like they keep trying to talk to them and you're just like but if the if you know the people don't understand you why would you keep talking blah, blah, blah. and then yeah. I my brain starts to spiral into into these worlds and I'm just <laughs> like but you've created all of these other problems what are you talking about you know it's true I think you just like like we said before you just have to like draw the line to suspend your disbelief because it's not all gonna make sense agreed that's why I think if you have a world where a bunch of talking animals are talking they should just be animals talking. There should be no humans, no people, because then you start thinking about these other things. Right. And it's also funny that all the different interspecies can all understand each other. Yes, which I also sound... Because, I see, to me, it would be like me going to China and somebody speaking Mandarin to me. That's what I would think the, you know, lion talking to whatever it would be, but apparently not. When they ended up on the island and they saw the lemurs and then they were sort of taught, like, our main heroes were all talking to each other and the lemurs were all like acting like they didn't understand why they were here. I kind of thought 
did lemurs not understand the animals? But then mm. they did. They just all understood each other. So it's like, I guess it's just animals understand each other. Universal animal language? I guess so. <laughs> it makes out. me kind of want to watch Zootopia again just to see if there's anything there. I guess there's no, but there's no humans in Zootopia. It's literally. No, like Zootopia yeah. and um, like the Sing movies. Yeah, there's, right. there's oh. no people mm-hmm. but i'm always confused about like what they're eating in these worlds because especially if you have like you know you have a silverback gorilla hanging out with a pig who's hanging out with a lizard who's you know hanging out with and an elephant do they well, eat meat in these animal they... worlds <laughs> well and that's the thing right um because there's like sheep and stuff but now that i think about it no but there's bears there are there are bears and sing and they try to eat the mouse so maybe they do eat people. I don't know. But yeah. So but when you start thinking about it too much, you're just like, how does this world work? I bet the writer's rooms, though, because mostly these movies hang together very well. Like, I'm sure these conversations happen and they say, what are we deciding the rules of the world are? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but I don't. I mean, yeah, uh, the. the, the, the <laughs> Like, because I think that's why they, they have them, like, if they have scenes where the animals are eating, they're always eating things that are not animal related, right? Because right. right. even in, like, Zootopia, you see them eating, what, donuts and popsicles, I think, even though, you know, one's a fox, um, you meet it like an otter, there's a lion and all that kind of stuff, but you never see them eating food things and people only get scared of them when they go as they say like what is it rabbit or feral or whatever they call it when they start attacking other people right or attacking other animals um but that also means there was a point in their the evolution of their world and their society where that was still the case that is as it is now where like animals in the wild will attack each other but they evolved past that and then they de-evolve with this thing. You're just like, Which is sort of, I guess, Madagascar's issue with Alex because Alex is a New Yorker lion mm-hmm. and then when he's in the wild, he starts to devolve. But isn't that just because he's hungry and his like instincts kick in because he's hungry? I guess so. But it's, yeah, because he's in the wild and has no food to eat. Yeah, and it takes him it takes him a few days to get there, but it's usually like, as soon as he's like, no, I'm really hungry. And that's when that starts to kick in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because everybody else is is are vegetarians, and so they're they're eating grass and seaweed on sticks and fruits and stuff, and they're like, "This is fine." And he tries to eat that, and he's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, I thought that uh, who's who voices Alex again? It was um, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. I think he did a really good job. It was great. I actually like all the voice acting in that. Like, I think, I think they did a really good job. I'm not a huge fan of um, Sasha Baron Cohen, but I do love King Julian. I I do he enjoy. It's so Julian. funny in that the way he yeah. mispronounces his words or whatever. It's just mm. yeah, yeah. That is a very well cast movie too. I did think it was weird that King Julian keeps trying to sacrifice Mort to <laughs> save himself. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's obviously a selfish king. Oh, the oh, I did find out something though. So you know how on the island they keep talking about the Fusa. The Fusa is gonna attack them, the Fusa is gonna try to eat them, blah blah blah. They're obviously like carnivorous animals. And I had always thought they were like hyenas or something, and Fusa was just like a funny word they were saying. Right. No, apparently on the island of Madagascar, 
There is a carnivorous animal called the fossa, F-O-S-S-A. And oh. they are um, related to mongoose. But when I looked up a picture of it, I find they look like they have like bod- the body of a puma and the face of a dog. Yeah. I just thought I thought they were just really interesting looking. Um, I don't know why I decided to look it up, uh, but I was I was astonished that like. But then I was looking at the movie again. I was just like, oh, those do actually look like the the fossa that when I looked up them up, I was like, that makes sense. Okay, right. I get it. Okay, because so they're well, they're being very like literal of the animals that would be on that that, that island. That's good. Yeah. They did some research. Well, when I saw the fossa, fusa, whatever, um, it did, it was very reminiscent of the Lion King with the hyenas and mm. the hyenas are on the one side and then all the rest of the animals are on the other side exactly. and the hyenas try to eat people that come onto their side. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that reminded me of the Lion King, but I did also think that scene where Alex saves his friends and then roars and roars and roars and says the fusa, fossa, is it? They call them Fusa. They call them Fusa. Maybe yeah. But the, he kicks all the Fusa and says, this is my island now. I never want to see you here again. Is that colonialism? He's That's kicking off the natives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the New Yorker comes up and just kicks off all the natives from where they've been living. Horrible, I tell you. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know he's trying to save his friends and stuff, but you're also committing genocide? Yeah, where are they going to uh, go? eat? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing over there. It's a barren, dry land. There's not even plants. Like, what? What is? What's going to happen? So, uh, maybe think- they'll learn how to fish on the other side. It is an maybe island. They'll, after all. To, they'll become vegetarians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's true. Uh, and like, I I think it goes back to like somebody made a, a comment about um, like watching National Geographic and stuff. And how, like, it depends on, like, the episode of the show, what side you're on, like, who you're you're cheering for. So, like, sometimes, like, a, the natural, they're following a pride of lions. And, like, when a lion takes out that, takes down that zebra or the impala or something, you're like, yeah, you did it. You're going to feed your family. But if, you know, you're watching the show and they're following the zebra and the lion's attacking, you're just like, run for your life. How could you do this? But it's true. It's true. So, like, it depends who your friend is. But, you know, even if they're meat eaters, they got to eat because, I mean, we eat meat. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know the animals, but I'm eating. But, you know. But that's the thing, too. When I, like, so Maddie really likes to watch the show Wild Kratz. And they always talk about, like, you know, different. it's, it's basically a cartoon about animals. Okay. And the two characters are these two real life men, but they make in cartoon form and they just sort of always explore different animals and see what they do. But they always say there's no evil animals. There's no bad animals. It's all nature. Like if one animal kills another animal, it's just the cycle of life. Like this is how the animal eats. Like they always try to make a point that these animals aren't villains. Mm-hmm. That they've killed another animal because that's just their nature and that's just what nature does so you know i think that's a really interesting lesson for a cartoon and um so maddie always says that too like he's she goes there's no bad animals they're just living to eat they're just trying to survive right mm-hmm. so when we watch a movie like this all the current all the carnivores are often very villainized because they're killing the other animals but really that's not a good lesson in in terms of understanding nature they are not um like trying to show you know the animal kingdom they're just sort of uh what do they call it when they make 
humanoid versions of animals again. Yeah, they're just um, like, yeah, they're just reflecting our society in an animal yeah. form to make it yeah, easier it's for not people to take. Literally. Yeah, and but. and and I mean, I think sometimes that kind of thing can be hard for kids because. I mean, you're seeing these animals and you're just like, no, I don't want these animals to die. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but as you get older, you have to understand you're just like, you know, that piece of beef that's in the grocery store? Yeah. That's an animal. Mm-hmm. We actually did have that talk with her at some point and there was a brief moment where she wanted to be vegetarian, but it didn't last. Okay. Well, that happens. They say something like 90% of vegetarians revert back to eating meat at some point. It's hard to not eat meat. Mm-hmm. Or at least some some sort of meat. Like yeah. even if you're not eating like a whole turkey every day or anything. Like every once in a while, you're just like, I need a little bit of protein. I'll yeah. have a you know a slice of something on something, and that's fine. You need the protein, you need some iron. You need you need some other things. Yes, you do. I mean, until they figure out a way to do it better, where I'm not eating half a forest every day to get all my um, nutrients. I know. Then, well, you know, yeah, yeah. you mean. Well, Tommy and I tried to be vegan, not even just vegetarian. I remember, like, we had to be vegan, and it lasted six weeks, which is a pretty long time. But so it's a very long time, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard, and we we gave it up because it was just we just didn't want to do it anymore. Well, my thing is, I don't think I could give up things like chocolate or ice cream, and or they're cheese. usually made or cheese. Oh my god, cheese! Yeah, huh. that's what yeah. the most. Cheese was the difficult thing for me. Yeah, because I could de- I could definitely do a vegetarian diet for a while, um, but to make like if i'd want to make like a bread i need an egg like yeah. you know or you know i want to make a salad i'm going to put cheese on that salad like yeah you got to no, have all the things and and vegan cheese does not taste good no i don't care what anybody says they're like it tastes the same you can't even tell oh yes you can it really does not taste the same yes you can <laughs> it's like you're crazy what are you talking about it's oh, and then bad. there's like um then there's like the raw diets, which I just don't understand. No. Like you just no, I, I don't understand it either. That's also not cooking. It's putting some stuff in a bowl and then eating it. Like, although I mean, you know, if you make a ceviche or like, there's ways to prepare raw food to make it more palatable or to cure it or whatever, like various yeah. things. So there's some process, but uh, there's a lot of danger in in raw foods as well if you're not careful. But where you source your things or how you make it, like how you, you store and prepare it, yeah, yeah. It can be difficult. You can get real sick real quickly. You know, I know. That whole thing. Um, but as a person who selectively has ceviche in very specific places, ceviche is delicious. It is delicious. delicious. I also really like sushi. And yes. I also really like uh, beef tartare. It's oh, no, good. I don't like beef tartare. That's, oh, oh, my God. It's no. so good. I find the, the texture and the, the flavor just does not work for me. Mm-mm. Okay. It's definitely not for everybody. Yeah, that's one I, I can't agree with. I feel like I have to go and eat something now. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> we started talking about food. Somehow it all came back to food. You know why? Because food is great and food is the thing that brings us all together. It does bring us all together. Yes. Music and food. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't understand people who don't like music or who don't get it. It doesn't make any sense it to me. It doesn't make sense. Music no. should really speak to people, though, on a, on, a, on a more, not a spiritual level, but on an almost instinctual level. Like, you just mm-hmm. know what music makes you feel something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to have, like, like a specific type of music. Like, if you want to listen to Gregorian chants and that's your thing, 
go right ahead. Exactly. I am fine with that. If you want to listen to Beyonce, turn all the way up, fine. If you're an ICP person, go ahead. That is fine. But there are people who like to sit around in silence constantly and just like, I don't listen to music. You're just, you make no sense to me. That it is, doesn't matter. Have you just, watched the new season of Stranger Things? I have. Yes, I have. I, um, I really and people like- are up at... Um, People who were originally fans of what's her name, uh, the the woman who sings the song that saves that that Kate one Bush. girl, Kate Bush, are just like we've loved her for years, and now you guys are like jumping on the bandwagon. Like, but it's amazing. This is a bandwagon like decades after the making. Yeah, because actually- it's a great, but it's a great song. I've known about this song, of course, for years and years. As soon as they played the first notes, I'm like, oh, I like this song. And it's a it? genius. It's 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 literally one of the best cases of uh, of sync I've ever seen in my life. Like it's like the perfect song. Even like the intensity of the song and come on, come on, darling, let me like, and just just like it's like encouraging her to come yeah. on and outrun and let me take this moment for me. Like, like the lyrics, the 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 emotion of the song. It's just a Seeing perfect. The, perfect they perfect. put together with it. Yeah, it's. It's fantastic. And like, but I find it's it's another idea of like gatekeeping, you know, which it seems to be very prevalent right now, which frustrates me. Like even with like Star Wars and everybody's all mad because there's there's a black inquisitor and they're like, the haters, why is there black people here? It's like, what the oh. fuck is your problem? Well, Anyways, I mean, that's but... just toxic fandoms. Like, I mean, the Star Wars fandom is awful, 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 awful. Mm. Right? Not like, the only ones, yeah. <laughs> but all like I mean, it, you know, I hate to say this, but the white males that feel like they own Star Wars, they own Ghostbusters, and they will they own Star Trek they too. Will all um all women that dare try to star take over their their beloved movies? I hate those people. Like mm-hmm. it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. But also, if you have watched any of those movies, you and you think that you've obviously missed the point of all of these movies. So, like, I don't, you don't belong there anyways. What are it's you talking true. That's about? That's an excellent point. Yeah. Excellent because point. a lot of those, a lot of those movies and stuff are about the people who are on the outsider coming into a space and being like, look, this space is for all of us and I'm going to make it for all of us. And, and we are going to save like the exactly. Yeah. And then, but if your thing about the space is that somebody should be excluded, then you've, you're going opposite to the heroes of that you hold so high. Like you're doing oh. it wrong. <laughs> it makes no sense, right? Like it I makes mean, no sense. Yeah, there's no explaining it. It's just. Mm-hmm. Or it's just, like, um, uh, there's like a Christian group now who's complaining about Miss Marvel because Kamala's like Muslim and stuff. They're like, Marvel's gone too far. It's gone all Muslim. Yeah. I'm just like. But the whole thing about X-Men is about being the other and a group of the other fighting to belong. That's the whole point. How can you hate this? Like, what is wrong with you? But it's not a shock. Look at the rise of white supremacy in America. Like, I mean, it's become acceptable almost there, right? Like like the entire Republican Party is basically fueled on white supremacy. Let's just say it, right? Yeah, it's true. So so like half half that country is that way and feeling more empowered than they ever have in their life. Mm -hmm. And all the people who have been hiding it and being like, no, no, I'm I'm actually supporting you guys. Now they're feeling like, oh, no, I don't have to pretend anymore. And they're just. So of course they're going to come after any kind of representation. Mm hmm. And it's and I think it's sad that they're going so backwards. But yeah, I think I, I think um, I am not condoning this in any way. 
any way, shape or form. But I think this goes back to our um, connected worlds and our connected society where um, like we used to, North America used to make fun of like Japan and China for this because they were like xenophobic and wanted to protect their culture. And I think now it's finally hit North America and like the quote unquote Western worlds where there's like, no, we're trying to protect something here. And I'm like, but you actually live in a place that was already made out of people from everywhere. So what are you protecting? You're pro- what are you what are you actually doing? You you can't you know be yeah. xenophobic because right. everything here is an alien. Everything here is from somewhere else. But I don't think this is new. I don't think they've just it's just come to North America. Like it's always been this way. It's just that we're finally getting to a point where we're shining a light on a structure that that really benefits white people mm-hmm. as as a, as a given and you know it's hard for people to criticize a structure that benefits them yes it's very true you're like and no now this structure is good because i'm good and i think yeah. this goes back to our early discussion about being in a room that you're comfortable in and not wanting to go outside of it yeah it comes all the way back around you know yeah but you know fortunately there's so many people that are realizing that that's not true like we should make changes we have to make changes mm-hmm. and just because things are good for you doesn't mean it's good for everyone else and no. you know you should instead of making things only good for you why don't you you things can be good for you and good for other people like what and maybe is wrong less doing for that? you but you need to do that to help it be better for other people like yeah. that's that's what being part of a society or not even a society, a civilization is supposed to be yeah. about, right? And people yeah. are just like, oh, it's, uh, what is it? Socialism or whatever. You're, yeah, just like, you're like, just because you care about the well-being of others doesn't mean we're going to fall into this like weird bucket. That's not what's and, happening. No. That's, and like, you know, they weaponize that type of liberal thought with calling it, oh, you, you know, libtards or you're woke and now woke is an insult it just means that you care about other people like yeah and i I, the comments i've seen online for various things is just so infuriating anyway it's very sad the state of the world right now is very sad it's just hard to even it's it's not even it's just frustrating like you like i think for both of us for people who are quote-unquote minorities we're people of color we're people of color and Uh, to see things seem to be again de-evolving into a place where we thought we thought progress was happening and now it's going backwards and we're just like oh i gotta go through this shit again like come on but it's hard to believe how much progress we've lost and and for women too like i can't Mm -hmm. believe they basically turned back roe v wade i know that they're going to start coming after gay marriage in the states that's just a matter of time given what's happened yeah. And that is extremely scary because, yeah. you know, if, you know, that hits Canada and conservatives are picking up steam in Canada too. And some of their platforms are on the same thing and you're just like, holy shit. It is um, scary. That's why, I mean, you know, it's almost, it, we almost need to be more political than we ever have before because politics is in every single thing now. And what's this? I'm, I mean, I can talk about politics and stuff like this. And my friend yelled at me the other day about this, but I am not, I do not participate in politics. I don't know if this is a piece, uh, this is an un-PC thing to say. Um, but no, I ha- did not vote this you year. You need to vote though. Yeah. See, that's the and, thing. People that, yeah. Although if, if people that have a point of view don't participate in the process, then 
it's hard to make change, right? Like, I, yeah, no, I like I understand it. Um, but I think I have the same problem that keeps a lot of people from voting is that there is nobody out there that represents me. There's nobody out there, you know, yeah, but then yeah. people are we just like, well, you have to pick the lesser of two evils, you know, somebody who might at least try to do something. And just like, but who exactly is that going to be? And I'm not, and I know this is a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I get it. You're allowed to be disappointed in me for saying this. I am disappointed. <laughs> you, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> But like my friend, all she did was yell at me, but you're a black woman. I'm like, that's not an answer to no. the no, question. No, no, no. That's well, not that, a solution that, that, to the problem. It's not fair. It, it, honestly, I think it's equally important for everybody to vote regardless of the color of your skin or who you're from mm-hmm. or whatever. But but I will say like from the perspective of a person of color who's also gay, like, I mean, I feel like I do have more, not more skin in the game, but I mean, you know, to your average white heterosexual, most laws are fine, right? Like yes. they are going to be fine. It doesn't really matter. Like there's less stakes for them. Mm-hmm. I feel like for someone who has not always had rights that straight white people have always enjoyed, you know, I, d- I can't take it for granted that we won certain rights that could be taken away. And I so mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it means that I ha- I do have to care a little bit more, unfortunately. As a black woman, I should care more, but yeah. I'm a it's, it's a, it's a participation. It's yeah, it's an exhausting thing to process a lot of that information. But uh, I do think it's an important thing to do, though. I'm teaching Maddie that it's a very important process to be part of because mm-hmm. like without the buy in and people participating, it's, you know, I don't want to. Certain groups will mobilize and take over, and they're not always in our interests. And sometimes they're actively against our interests. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, because everybody has a different perspective. So the only way to keep that in check is to be part of that process. I get it. That's my pitch. That's my pitch. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time I'll get out there and do some voting. You should. And if you, if you, yeah. We could even call me and we can talk about the kind of the candidates and things if you find it hard to cut through because there's so much noise. There is a lot of noise. Yeah. There is a lot of noise. And I think I think maybe that's the problem, like um, for like my especially like my parents generation generations before you didn't talk politics. You didn't discuss politics with uh, um, maybe with your partner, you know, very nicely and quietly or else you'd you know, there's yelling and screaming, but you definitely didn't talk to like your friends about it. You didn't talk to your parents about it. You didn't, you didn't have those, you don't have political discussions. Like that's just a crazy, that was a crazy concept, but now, you know, it's becoming important to talk politics with, with other people to help make decisions and to help cut through noise and to get information and and all this kind of stuff. And I think maybe that's part of my problem is that I don't have anybody to discuss this with. And then, you know, my friends complain that I didn't vote, but I'm like, well, we could have sat down and talked about it, but you, you know, we didn't say anything. You didn't do anything. You told me tomorrow was voting. And I was just like, we're voting tomorrow. What is, it, it was a whole thing. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I know I, yeah like I know I'm just make I'm making excuses for myself at this point I get it and I I understand um I need to try harder and go out and do this 
Um, but I think it's one of those things where I need to talk about it, but I don't think people, I still don't think people are ready to have a discussion. They're ready to yell and scream about it. Conversation and I will not yell at you. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, Um, I'm not by nature very political. I, I, I feel like I am now, but I mean, I haven't always been that engaged politically. And I, a lot of my friends that have known me from university would be frustrated with me because I disengaged a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would actually always vote just because I did want to be in the process. But, you know, when I felt overwhelmed, sometimes I just rely on people whose opinions I trusted and get them to explain it to me, like, like why they wanted to vote for who they wanted. And just, I would Google or whatever, like what the platform, like just explainers, just because I, it, it was sort of very basic way of, learning about it before getting into the weeds Mm -hmm. but even that was sort of something that I didn't I think that's even not a bad thing like even just talk to friends that maybe know more about it that can synthesize it for you and just explain why they like you know why are you voting that way like what is it about the party that you like or what is about this party you don't like and just Mm -hmm. collect opinions I'm not saying tell some like get someone to tell you who to vote for but you can you know if, if it's overwhelming all the other stuff just sort of people you trust and people that, that you just have the conversation, just to get a little bit of even anecdotal information. Then you can, you know, add to that some research with like just over like very summary kind of things. And then I find that once you kind of, kind of get into that a bit, and then when things come up, it's easier to get into the weeds once you have a bit of a head start. Like you have a, de- like, I think like, like the internet and with anything else right now, like when do you research, you have to have, sort of a, a point you're trying to find yeah. or else you're just going to get lost in this like sea of stuff but it's also which... the internet it's so like you know you also have to consider the source right because all articles are now very obviously biased and so mm-hmm. you know it's not you're not really getting neutral news anytime right no no it's not like because because even you know you could search something on google but you're getting things specifically for people in canada and ontario but based on your history of searches you're actually looking for this and they'll actually bring up this information and blah blah because blah. if you search the same thing on three different computers you're getting different yeah getting different information back um which can be helpful and frustrating at the same time yeah yeah and i have to start clicking on like page two of my google search results like yes (laughs) i always get down to the bottom of the first that first page i'm just like "Eh, that's enough (laughs) (laughs) or like rejigger my search to get something else you know like it's one of those things i never click on that page two just like what What? that's so far Find some sites that you feel like the, the writers reflect your values or you feel like you can trust or like, and then, you know, get to know the different points of view as well. And then like, you know, I kind of like that you can go to some places that you feel like you can. But see, but you vote, you are also already said something that puts me, that frustrates me is like, I don't want to find a writer that supports my point of view. I no. want like, especially with politics and stuff, I want somebody who's, neutral he's like here are the facts this guy but was you, born this no, day you, this old you can find, but you can find a million of those things that are quite neutral just the facts like charts like mm-hmm. you know these are the platforms this is where they differ like there's a lot of those right but what i say is like finding writers is i'm just saying like to cut through them like it doesn't hurt to find people that can explain it to you in a voice that you trust and that you understand just so that you become more acclimatized to the topics and mm-hmm. then you can kind of branch out and read other things like it's just like something you know to start to start yes okay that makes sense yeah 
Yes, I will definitely have to do that. And you'll probably hold me to it. I'll get a couple goals. Like, I am going Tracy, to. <laughs> do you know what's going to happen? You're like, all right. I believe I am Here going we to. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, coming back to people learning to talk to each other at the end of Mean Girls, they figure it yeah. out. They're That's just like, true. just be honest. Just yeah. say what you got to say. Do what you got to do. Don't talk behind people's backs. And just yeah. fucking relax. Just get on with your, your and, life. And, and learn to coexist. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the my problem with people who don't know how to coexist is the fact that either they have no respect for your space or they want to take your space. That's well, those exactly. are the two things. And you're just and like, yeah. why? That's just effort. I just read this Texas senator like actually said he's hoping for a world where all gays are exterminated. Oh you can God. imagine how that makes me feel. Like I mean, like the fact that someone like this is getting that kind of attention and and not not getting a ton of pushback, right? That's a horrible feeling. I think um, anybody who thinks anybody should be exterminated should not be a politician. No, should not be in charge of anything. Um, you're allowed to be a troll on the internet so that you can be annoyed, uh, ignored. Um, but just no, that is no, yeah. that is it's unacceptable. Really, it's really, it's really disturbing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. Anyway, I, I feel like movies like Mean Girls do a, a fairly good job of sort of some, like breaking down some larger kind of problems and issues and boiling them down into a comedy and sort of a microcosm in a high school world where, you know, you can watch it for laugh, but there are some important lessons that are sort of in there embedded. Yeah, it, it, it makes it very palatable. And I think, um, I also think that's a, a problem with some comedy right now is that like the, the point of comedy is, is to make us laugh is to make us, sometimes it's, you make, they make oh, you uncomfortable yeah. laugh, but right, yeah. But like, it, it's to make us laugh. It's to make us relax. It's to make us have a good time. But I find a lot of comedy specials right now and stand up is just people yelling things at us, telling us we're bad, and we're like. And then I went to the grocery store and I had an orange. You're like, ha like, Is it funny though? I don't think it's funny anymore. It's yeah. it's hard. Like it's it's just so hard. Like the comedy has gotten too cynical that it can't see its own funniness you know but i think the world has gotten really dark just because of all the things that have happened so comedy always responds in a, in a way to society and i feel like just it's not a surprise to me in a way like the world has gotten really dark yeah. And, well, uh, I guess with these two movies, the early 2000s were, you know, now that we look back at it, weren't, weren't too bad. Those were good times. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. uh, definitely compared to now. Yeah. And, and these two movies definitely show like they're bright, they're colorful. Yeah. Everything has a happy ending. Uh, everybody's friends, you know. And hopeful and they've learned some lessons and yeah. they went to some difficult yeah. areas that they emerged. Yeah. There's some good music. Good. Yeah, it was good. yeah. I mean, I enjoy watching them again, so it was fun to do. Yeah, yeah. We got really serious. We kind of talked a lot about a lot of different things today, but <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I think these two movies actually bring up a lot of these topics. I agree. And yeah. you know, like it's like Madagascar. It's a little kids movie. Blah blah blah. What's there to talk about? I'm just like, but there's so much. You know, there, there's there really was. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, and it and. Honestly, until I watched Mean Girls after watching this, like you, I didn't 
realize that the two movies had so much in common. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching this, I'm like, I'm glad these two were together. This actually works really well. It really does. I know. Yeah. Like in, in both thematic, subtle, and overt ways. Like it was, it's, it was quite something. Yeah. 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 I was very intrigued by it. Well, I'm very happy I, I got this episode. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. Did you talk enough about Mean Girls? You know, I, I feel like I didn't because we went to the top. That's okay. I feel like you know, we talked about it enough. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, did. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I know we sort of did it just now, but well, like, what are your final thoughts on these two movies? Well, I guess I would say... I mean, I've always loved Mean Girls, like since the day I first saw it, and I have not changed my opinion. And I feel like in a lot of ways, even though, you know, some of the humor might not always translate, there might be some things that maybe are a little questionable now. I think overall the movie really holds up. I still really believe in the message. I like the way it's told. I like the way they resolve things. And I think, I, I do think it's a really healthy and good movie and it's so hilarious. And I, I, just, I just think it's great. Um, and Madagascar, I think, exceeded my memory of it because I had watched it with my daughter and really put it on just as a way to entertain her. But watching it again, I just sort of saw so many other layers that actually had some things to say. So, yeah, I would say they're both worth um, watching again. And I think that they both stood the test of time. Great. And he's like, you think like Madagascar, especially you still think is good for kids. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. Like, I think it's there's enough silliness and colorfulness in it that like and it's and the story is told. Well, like I find um, like kids now are savvy because of the content that we give them is so much better written now than when we were kids. So, like, I think even with this aging, it's like it's written at a certain level that it's not it's not too dumb for older kids, but it's also not too savvy for younger kids, you know? Like, yeah. So they can, you know, from like five to 12, they'll love it. And then yeah, when you hit like 25, it. you're just like, oh, I see the adult things. I get it. This is great. Yeah. Totally. Like there's so many layers to that. And I mean, you know, even the scary, like I think the nice message, even when the kid's really young is just stand by your friends, even if they're not being nice to you right now, or if you really believe in your friend, you can try to help them. Yeah, it's like it's like um, the thing now is just like um, somebody out there is always having a bad day. Be nice yeah. to them. Right. And I think when you have good friends like Marty is to Alex, Marty yeah. realizes there's something wrong with Alex. And instead of abandoning him, he made sure he was like, yeah. I'm your friend. I'm going to stay here and help yeah. you and get you through this. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what you got to do. Yeah. For sure, especially in dark times like now. <laughs> we all need those good friends. Yes, yes we, we do. do. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get me through this, Austin. You're going to do, yeah. do it. I'm here for you. I'm so <laughs> glad that we're friends. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I always have a fabulous chat when you're on here. So it's great. Thank you. I'm, I, I, same. I always enjoy these chats. always enjoy coming on. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, I like one thing we always get serious at some points in the episode, but we always bring it back with like, a little bit of humor at the end. You know, we're so good. That's we're, okay. we're pros at this now. Pros. We are pros, exactly. <laughs> um, well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Um, until next time, you can follow along on Instagram at Twitter at Oh My Shelf, or you can send an email to ohmyshelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we'll be talking about Magnolia and Mall Rats. Another 
interesting combination. We'll see what happens in there. Uh, well, hope you'll be here to listen. 